Well, if I asked you to make a list on a sheet of paper of some of the character traits or the attributes of God, I'm sure most of you could make a list. Some of you might not be as long as the others, but you could easily make a list. What might be some of those attributes you might come up with? He's faithful. That's it? Man, the tests you are not doing well today. He's faithful. He's loving. He's kind. He's good. He's long-suffering. He's patient. The list can go on and on and on. But I think one of the things that I'm going to be speaking about primarily today may not show up on very many of your lists of the attributes of God. You might even talk about the the all-powerful God, the almighty God, the everywhere God, the all-knowing God. I, I mean, the list is almost endless of his amazing attributes, his character. But I'm going to talk about generosity. Generosity. How many of you had generosity come to mind as soon as I mentioned the attributes of God? Probably, now you're answering honestly. Probably no one. We don't think of that that way. Even though the scripture is full of indications and stories about how generous our God is with us. Matter of fact, I think once we get through looking at some of this this morning, we might agree that he would be the absolute best definition of generosity. He is a generous God. And his generosity flows naturally from his love and his goodness towards us. He loves us. He wants to bless us. Sometimes we lose sight of that truth, and sometimes when that religious spirit gets around, we get this idea that somehow our God wants to punish us. You all messed up this week. Every one of you did. I know it. And I did too. And he still loves you, and he still loves me. And he wants to bless us. And I'm not talking about some super hyper faith thing. I'm not talking, I'm just talking about what the Word of God demonstrates clearly to us. He loves you and me, and he is a generous, generous God. And my goal here in the first part of my message is to demonstrate biblically just how generous he is. I, I go through this, and as I've been preparing all week and looking at this, it's just, it's almost puts you in a sense of awe that what he has done to bless us. What he does to just bring pleasure and joy to our life because that brings pleasure and joy to his life. He is a generous God. And after I share a few stories about his generosity, we're going to come to this realization, and I'll talk about this. We are called to be like him. We are called to be like him, this generous, generous God. Remember when... God's people were in bondage to Egypt for those hundreds of years. They were slaves in Egypt. And God comes and he he tells them basically, I'm going to set you free. I'm going to take you out of Egypt and take you out of bondage. And I'm going to take you to a land of milk and honey. Flowing with milk and honey. Now really, there were no rivers of sticky honey flowing through the land. It's a, it's a, Hyperbole, he's saying, I am going to take you to a land, not just to sustain you, not for you to just have a place to live, not for you to just be away from these mean Egyptians. I'm going to take you to a place with abundance of blessings, overflowing blessings. That's what that phrase meant to those people, a land flowing with milk and honey. But it didn't just start, his generosity didn't just start there. We need to go back to the creation story. 
and look at the generosity of God. Now, we look back and we've heard the story so many times and we see this beautiful creation around us and I'm I'm convinced we take it almost all for granted most of the time. I mean, he could have created us and gave us a place to live. And it could have been bland, blah, boring, but somehow or other, it could sustain us. We could stay alive, but barely. He didn't do that. In the creation story, it's a demonstration. Psalms that tell us this in Psalms 19, all creation declares the glory of God. And I would offer as my suggestion this morning, all of creation declares his generosity to us, his people. Believe it or not, with all our flaws, we are the crown jewel of God's creation. He calls us the apple of his eye. He calls us his sons and daughters. He adopts us into his family when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And when he created this perfect world for Adam and Eve to live in, it tells us in verse 7 of chapter 2 that he gave us life by breathing his breath into us. What a gift. But it went way beyond just breathing his breath into us and giving us life and sustainability. He gave us the blessings to delight us. To delight us, he considers, listen to this scripture, 1 Timothy 8, or 6, 17. To put your hope in God, which richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment or our pleasure, depending on your translations. He created it all for us to enjoy, to be blessed by. Tells us in James 1, 17, that every good and perfect gift is from above. How many of us know that every good and perfect gift is not earned by us in any way, shape, or form, or it would not be a gift. It comes out of his character, his attributes of generosity. He just loves to bless us. And it could have been this boring place, and some of us act like we live in a boring place. Boy, you live in Ballatin. How boring can it get? Open our eyes. Look around. You know, here's some numbers that are no longer accurate because with science developing, these numbers are low. But we know he created the seas and the mountains and the rivers. How many of us love to go to the ocean? How many of us love to go to the mountains? How many of us love to sit by a river and just listen, admire the beauty and the tranquility of his rivers? But then he created over 750,000 species of insects. (laughs) Aren't you rejoicing? 750, he could have just made one and called it a mosquito. 400,000 species of flowers. 400,000 different species of flowering plants. Why? Because he wanted to bless us. 200,000 species of edible plants. I mean, they even got sick of manna in the wilderness. We have hundreds of thousands of edible plants just for our pleasure. 10,000 species of birds. Man, that's amazing. How many birds? Again, the bird watchers here, is your list up to 10,000 yet? All for our enjoyment, for our pleasure. And look into the heavens at night. If you looked real close on our ceiling, I could even see some stars up here. Some stars, thousands of stars, countless numbers of stars, just for our pleasure. All of creation. And then you know what he did? 
that he wouldn't have had to do. He gives us the senses, the ability to see, to hear, to taste, to touch, to smell, so that we can enjoy all of his creation that's around us. He wouldn't have had to do that, but he chose to because he's a very, very generous God. It can be overwhelming, but we take it for granted. Listen to what Psalms, the psalmist wrote in Psalms chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. He did it for us out of his generosity. Now, like human beings today, Adam and Eve blew it. They messed up. It was almost like they became discontent because the Satan, the serpent, came to him and said, hey, there's something God's holding back. It's like, really? Look around. All of creation declares the glory of God, and then the accusation is he's holding something back. And we become discontent, and they ate of the fruit. And we know what happened. Every human being's heart ever since then has been a heart of discontent until we experience the transforming power of Jesus. And in this, he showed his generosity again and again and again. He showed his generosity in sending his only son, Jesus, to die on a cross, take the penalty for our sin. To be raised again from the dead for us. When you think about just that redemption, we have been redeemed. He didn't have to do that. Forgiveness, endless grace, the personal promise that we all have as believers of the indwelling Holy Spirit, God in us. I mean, we get so numb to these truths that we don't even realize the God that spoke everything into creation lives in us, for goodness sakes. That should just inspire awe in us. How generous is our God to do such an amazing thing? In 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, it says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mystery that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectations and we have a priceless inheritance. I mean, are you kidding? Not only is he generous in creation and our salvation and our redemption and everything that we experience every day as a gift from him out of his generosity. He says, there is a priceless inheritance for you in the future also. Amazing God. It says, a priceless inheritance, an inheritance kept in heaven for you, pure, undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be re- revealed on the last days. Generosity, gifts. And we could go to the New Testament, and we could go on and on and on. But I hope you understand, when Jesus performed his first miracle, they ran out of wine at a wedding. Well, gee whiz, he could have just snapped his fingers and there could have been some wine. It might not have been very good, and there might have been just enough so everybody gets another cup. But no, out of his generosity and abundance, he gives them the very best wine in abundance. Because he wanted to. Because he's a generous God. 
the fish and the loaves. We, we tell these little Bible stories. He could have taken those fish and those loaves and done anything he want with it. Okay, I want everybody to get a little piece of fish. And I want everybody to get a little piece of bread so they don't starve while they're here. No. He blessed it in such abundance that everybody ate all they wanted, and then they picked up all of the leftovers. God's generosity. It's overwhelming. And as I said, I could go on and on and on, but I think we all get the point. He owes us nothing. But in Ephesians 3, verse 20, it says this, Now to him is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. He continues to do more than we can ask and imagine. He continues to be generous with us. And he calls us to be like him. To be like him. I'm starting a series this week on being a generous church. And when I use the word church there, I'm talking about victory, not the worldwide church. But being, and it should be the worldwide church, all, all of his church should be generous because we're called to be like him. To be as generous as he is generous. And the title of today's message is A Generous Heart. Having a generous heart. You cannot have a generous church if you do not have generous individuals that make up that church. And as I say often and often, often on almost, almost every Sunday, you are a generous church. The generosity in this church is astounding in so many ways. But I was told once, preach on something when your church doesn't need to hear it. Well, we always need to hear it when we're called to be like God. And one of his attributes is generosity. I'm going to start with a couple of practical definitions of generous and generosity. They are not quite the same thing. The word generous means liberally giving and sharing willingly. Giving more than is usual or expected. If you look that up in a dictionary, you're going to get some version of that. Liberally, generous. It's an adjective describing something. Giving it liberally. Generosity is a virtue of that giving. It's a noun. It's, it's a virtue. You have generosity. God is generous. It's a description of him. But his generosity overwhelms because of who he is. It's part of his virtue. Generosity. Giving to others freely and abundantly. Not only in abundance, but rather giving those things that are good and beneficial for others. And we'll see there's some other aspects of it as we go on. But, you know, I can be so generous if I've got, you know, maybe 100 Hershey candy bars, I'd be more than willing to share one or two out of my abundance. That's not generosity. And, you know, I might have... Yeah, pick something. I might have 200 pairs of shoes in my closet. Some even belong to me. But if you've got 200 pairs of shoes in your closet, and I say, gee, I'm generous. I'm going to give you three, four, five, six more, ten more pairs of shoes. It's like, I don't need ten more pairs of shoes. It's giving something that they need, something that will benefit them. And we're to discover later it's also about sacrifice. But being generous, giving. We're commanded to be generous. And Timothy, Paul writes these words to Timothy. 
And it says this, I command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Generations and generation, generous, generosity. There you go. Thank you. Generosity will bring forth blessings in our life, but it's never to be the motive for generosity. If it is, it's not truly generosity anymore. God tells us also what type of givers we're supposed to be. And you've heard part of this verse probably many times. In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, because the Bible says that, that God loves a cheerful giver, my guess is there are those who are givers that are not very cheerful. I got to give, but I don't like it. I'll feel guilty if I don't give. Shoot, they pass that offering plate by every week, and if I don't put something in it, we can be grouchy, grumpy, unthankful givers. That's not generosity. God says, I love a cheerful giver. To truly be generous according to God's standards, we have to want to give. Not just be willing to give. We have to want to give. We need to desire to give. Why? Because we're called to be like God. Oh, I could throw you all all kinds of manipulative man reasons why we should give, why we should be generous. But really, the only one that matters is God is generous, and he calls us to be generous. And we are called to be like him. Consider it a joy to give. But there's a problem. There's a problem. And it's called the human heart. There is a problem with the human heart. No matter how many times you may hear people say things like, people are basically good. People basically have a good heart. That is a biblically a biblical falsehood. It's a lie. It's not. What does the Bible say about the heart of a mankind, the heart of a human? It's horrible. You could pick some adjectives. Let me just throw out a few, and I, I just put the scripture references on here. I'm not going to have you look at them all, but in Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick. Mark, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come out of the heart of man. They all come from the inside. Genesis 6, 5, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Genesis 8, 21, and when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said to it in his heart, this is after the flood, and Noah comes out and he builds a sac- altar and sacrifices. And the Lord says this about that, sp- that pleasing aroma. I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. This is the problem when it comes to generosity and us being able to be like God. But there's a solution to this problem. Thank goodness. It's a problem that there is only one solution to, and there is only one source of this solution. And that's God. 
God is only is the only cure and provides the only cure for this kind of human heart that's wicked above all else. In Ezekiel 36, 26, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of, of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any was in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. The cure for this wicked, evil human heart is the born-again experience. Accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, accepting the fact that he is the Son of God, that he came to earth and lived a sinless life, and he went to the cross for you and me in our place. He paid a price we couldn't pay. And because of his shed blood, his death, burial, and resurrection, forgiveness is made available to all. And that's how we receive this new heart. If you've been born again, you have this new heart and access to this new heart. The problem is there's still a whole lot of old stuff in this head of mine and yours. Because of this, even the most selfish, grumpy, tightwad can become generous. What was that guy's name? Mike? No, it wasn't Mike. It was Ebenezer Scrooge. Remember the story? God changed his heart. He can even change ours if we let him. And I get such great hope from Philippians 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. We simply need to cooperate with the grace of God. We can't do it on our own. There are some good people out there who have never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I get that. But their generosity is not the generosity that God wants from his people. He wants it with pure motives, pure hearts. Just because we want to give and we can hardly wait to give. So we can be more like Jesus and be a blessing to others. And as we're blessing others, we are demonstrating God's generosity just through us. Because if we believe what the Bible says, everything we have came from him and belongs to him. And everything was for his glory. And as it goes through us, just like his love, we be in a conduit for his love to the world around us. Whatever it is we are giving is from him and for his glory. In Romans 12 and Ephesians 4, it gives us a little bit of responsibility for us to allow the grace of God to do this work in our hearts. In in Romans 12, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to have this mind renewed by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God. That's why we need to be in the Word of God. Let the Holy Spirit use the Word of God to transform our mind and change our hearts into what it has the potential to become if we've been born again. That we can become more and more like Christ in this area of generosity. Ephesians 4.22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, put off the old self, which is being corrupted by all its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your mind. Put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We have to take some responsibility 
and say, by God's grace, I am going to be different. I will no longer be that old self. I will no longer do what the old self did. I am now going to put on the new me, the new creation, Christ in me, the hope of glory. And I'm going to be like him, become more like him. Generosity, being generous. Remember the story, this is one of my, many of my favorites. I have a long list of favorite stories. Remember the, the widow? Jesus is sitting by the offering box and he's watching and all these pompous, wealthy people come up and put all kinds of money in it and you know, pretty proud of themselves, hurt themselves, patting themselves on the back. And here comes this woman and she gives a couple of little pennies, two mites. And what does the Lord say to all the religious people watching and listening? That woman gave more than all the rest. They gave out of their abundance. She gave all she had. She gave all she had, an act of faith, trusting in the Lord. The Lord was commending her for her sacrifice. You know, God doesn't look at the quantity or the quality necessarily of what we give. He looks at our hearts and the level of sacrifice. That's what he looks at. Generous people. Generosity. To be a generous church, it begins with each and every one of us. Not being just generous here on Sunday morning. I hope you noticed something today. I have not said the M word once. I'm going to, but I haven't yet. Generosity. Money's a good measuring tool for it. It's certainly part of it. But church, there is so much more that we want to be known for if people say, boy, that victory is a generous church. I hope they're not talking only about an offering. You and I can give an offering that has nothing to do with us being generous. It's easy. We just give out of this overwhelming abundance that he's given us. You know, in the world, we're rich in this world. There's a scripture that talks about that. Rich in this world. So that's not what matters. It's our heart. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to change our hearts. Be generous like he is generous. And it demonstrated, and I want to just give you a few areas that you may or may not have thought of generosity. We need to be generous with our money, sure. Material possessions. See a need. What can we do to meet that need? Give a person a coat, a pair of shoes. Maybe they need a car. Maybe they just need you to come up and put your arm around them and tell them you care about them. Be generous with your compassion. Be generous with your words, words of encouragement. Be generous with those words that build up and don't tear down. Be generous with your time. I don't have time. Some people would just be thrilled to death if you would give them 10 minutes of your time. Be generous with your attention while you're giving them your time. Go up and stand next to them and ask them, how's the world? And then just read your phone. No. Put it away. Give them your attention. Generosity. Things like this we don't think about when it comes to being generous people. 
time. Grace. And you can come up with a list that's probably much, much longer. So how do we become generous? Close with these four or five points. First, we must be born again. The human heart is deceitful amongst all else. It's evil. The only way is for us to have our heart transplanted. A new heart given, this old heart taken away. And God will do that. And it comes through knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. There is no other way. We could come up and talk to her blue in the face. But if it doesn't start with that, it's not going to be true generosity. Okay, so we're saved. And I'm not sure I'm very generous. Ask God to give you a generous spirit, a generous heart. We can ask. It's hard for some of us. I remember the first time I gave more than 20 bucks to something. Man, alive. My arm shrunk so much I couldn't get my hand in my pocket. For some of us, we need to ask, God, you know my heart. I want to become generous like you were generous. Give me a generous heart. Give me a generous spirit. Just ask him for it. And then start looking for needs. Look for needs. Take time to see people. See them where they're at. You know, we've got so much pride in this country and our in our in our people that no one will tell you they need something. No one will ask if they ask for things. Well, a few will. But look, look for needs. Can I meet that need? And if you can't, find somebody you know who maybe will or can. Or go together with more than one person to meet those needs. But we've got to be observant. We've got to look around in the high-speed culture we live in. We don't even take time to notice or look. We can be a blessing out of generosity that, that to us, it seems like nothing. To someone in true need, it can change their life or their, at least their day. And last, take steps of faith. When I think of that widow giving all she had, what was she doing? What was she thinking? She was believing that God would take care of her. Faith is like a muscle. The more you use it, the more you exercise it, the more you work it, the stronger it gets. Faith. We want to be, my desire is that Victory Church is known as a generous church. And I got to compliment us and compliment you. Your generosity is sometimes overwhelming. And that's what it's supposed to be. But each and every one of us, there is always room for growth. Because the goal here is to become more like Christ. More like the Lord in our generosity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for your goodness towards us, your generosity towards us, your overwhelming heart and desire to bless us, that you give a, gave us this beautiful creation all around us for us to enjoy, the senses that we have to enjoy it. God, that you gave Jesus, your only son, that we might be known by you, that we could call you Father and you call us sons and daughters. What a gift you keep giving. God, in the day you pour out more than what we need, you, you bless us in so many ways. Help us to see 
those blessings for what they are, that we might see your generosity towards us every day, and that it would motivate us to become more generous because we want to be more like you. Father, that we would every day be be being transformed more and more into the image of Christ, your son. God, we acknowledge we can't do that on our own. We need your help. Holy Spirit, I invite you and ask you to give us a generous heart. Give us a generous spirit. May our generosity be demonstrated in the communities that we live in, the workplaces where we work, in all that we do, that we would be a generous people, passing on the blessings out of the generosity that we receive from you. God, I pray this, that you would receive all the, the praise and all the glory. And Lord, now I pray also for this week of Vacation Bible School with all these kids that are coming. God, we pray your safety and protection over this property, this place, when all these kids come, over the parking lot, everything. God, we pray for safety. God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to move amongst the teachers and the leaders of each group and all these young children that your seeds will be planted no matter what age they might be. I pray, God, that you would bless each and every one of the volunteers who give their time sacrificially to be a part of this. And I pray, Lord, as we go from this place, even this morning, your Holy Spirit is going before us, providing those opportunities to demonstrate the love of Christ, to be a generous people. And may you receive that glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.